We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Halpin. Hey, everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Friday, December 14th edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Derek and I are here to catch up in the last minute news, notes, etc. But man, oh man, the Chiefs Chargers game was a good one. It was. It's um, it, among the best Thursday night games probably ever. And got to give credit to Anthony Lynn for going for two yes. on the road and going for the win and getting it done. I mean, this was a game where I think the Chargers trailed by 15 at two different points. And to uh, to get that win on the road is huge as they kind of jockey for home field advantage throughout the playoffs in the AFC, which probably means less to the Chargers than it means to a lot of teams. But still not having to go on the road right. is probably better you know than having to go on the road so the people last night it's funny the the chalky guys didn't do well i mean tyreek didn't do much kelsey did fine ppr he did fine Uh, keenan allen got hurt and he got nothing after almost catching a touchdown but the other guys if you played justin jackson good right he got 83 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown should have had a very good. Yeah. 
Rivers should have made that that throw late to him, but whatever. Damian Williams, that was pretty strong right there. That was that was good stuff out of Damian Williams if you had him, especially in a PPR league where he caught six passes. That's just that if you had the uh, the guts to start him. Well done. I actually advised benching him in a couple of cases, not because they didn't like it. was sort of on the fence because I was kind of, well, I like him, but there's some risk here. Because we didn't know that he was going to get just about the full load. So that worked out. Yeah, I think the thing that made Williams uh, have a decent floor with Spencer wear out was just that he would catch passes. Uh, I was a little surprised he got five yards per carry or very close to it at 4.9. And I mean, two scores on top of all those catches in a PPR league. That's huge. I mean, Mike Williams, though, yeah, Talk, this was like the Derrick Henry performance of a week ago where you look and you say, wow, he was probably rostered in a lot of leagues, but he's probably on the bench in a lot of leagues because you know, who thought he was going to go completely crazy like that? And the opportunities opened up for him and for Tyrell Williams once Keenan Allen left with that hip injury. So really tough blow for Keenan Allen owners, tough blow for anybody that had Mike Williams on their bench and yeah. watched him score three touchdowns and, and pulling the two point conversion that won it. Uh, but yeah, you're right. A lot of the. A lot of the key players in this game were just kind of okay, or they they even busted outright for a variety of reasons. Travis Kelsey, relative to other games he's had against the Chargers, seven for sixty one is actually not that bad. Like they typically do a good job of really shutting him down. Tyreek Hill, four for forty six, that let some people down. And even Patrick Mahomes, who's vaulted people up to the top of their standings and put them in semifinals this week, two forty three, a couple touchdowns for him. That's a pretty light output for Mahomes. So. You're looking at like 16 to 18 points, a lot of formats from Mahomes, and he was getting you mid-20s most weeks with ease. So you might be facing an uphill battle if a Chiefs combo has been carrying you to this point in the season. All right, so let's say you have Mike Williams on your bench and you wind up advancing to next week. Now, now what do you, I mean, they're playing the Ravens at home. What do you think? Do you kind of go, well, I mean, part of it maybe depends on Keenan Allen. But do you say, well, maybe, maybe we've... Is it a fluke or, hey, maybe did we find something? He's been scoring touchdowns in bunches this year, and the yards per target number has been great, but it's strange they don't throw him the ball more. I think the the matchup against the Ravens next week, even if Allen were to miss that game, and since we've got almost 10 days before that game gets here, you know we'll get a lot of information between now and then. My first lean is similar to Derrick Henry, where it's like, well, this was in the range of outcomes all along, and it seemed like everything went right at just the perfect time for Mike Williams. So I'd still look at him in like a 12-team league where you're starting three receivers and say that it's probably going to be a toss-up next week just because of the difficulty of that matchup against Baltimore, even if Keenan Allen can't play. All right, folks, before we get on to the rest, uh, catch us on Twitter. Derek's at Derek Van Riper. I'm at jhalpin 37 You can also catch us at Rotowire and the player updates at Rotowire NFL. And you can find us on Facebook, as always. Um, all right. Injuries, let's start there. Out, Odell Beckham. What happened? Odell Beckham, we were so optimistic two days ago. Pat Shermer said things look good. Then he went for the offsite second opinion, and now he's out again. And now I'm bummed about the Giants again. I was so excited, and now I'm bummed again. But he wasn't there last week, and they won by a million points. So maybe I shouldn't be so bummed out. He said, quote, bleep ain't right when asked about his leg on Thursday. So I think that was kind of the red flag that yeah. had me kind of expecting news like this, even though they had – you know, waited an extra day to make that call. Um, I, I think this is a weird spot for the Giants. I mean, the Titans' defense is actually pretty good. That doesn't bode all that well for Eli Manning. I think when you look at Sterling Shepard and uh, Evan Ingram, those are the two guys that probably get 
more targets with Beckham out, but nobody absorbs what Beckham does. Like that's that's just obvious. He's, he's an elite receiver where you don't have the next guy up just doing all the same things because physically they can't. Uh, but I think I am a little more interested in Ingram today than I was yesterday when there was a chance that we'd see Odell Beckham back on the field this week. I think I agree with you. And uh, it's going to be all Saquon all the time, baby. Um, all right. Carson Wentz, technically listed as questionable with the fractured vertebra. There's been rumors that they're going to shut him down for the season. But this is an injury. If I have it right, it's the same injury Cam Newton and Tony Romo both played through. It seems as bad as it sounds, it seems to be a pain tolerance issue. Uh, basically, if, if Wentz is out, are you happy to just plug Foles into the same spot? I think we don't, we don't think, or I don't think, Foles is as good as Wentz. That's not, you know, breaking news there. But are you, would you be confident in starting Foles in this spot against a Rams defense that has been susceptible to the pass? Eh, I, I think we got to be careful with the Rams defense because Aqib Tlaib is back and he missed a lot of time. I think that changes what they can do as far as uh, shutting down an opposing team's top receiver. But the good news for Foles is that he's got a full complement of pass catchers that are healthy. So even if Elshon Jeffrey's the guy that draws most of the Talib coverage, you still have Golden Tate working out of the slot. You got Nelson Aguilar out there as well, and you got a healthy Zach Ertz. So it's a pretty good matchup, not necessarily a great one once you account for Talib being in there. I think the game script is favorable for Foles because you expect the Rams to move the ball with ease against the Eagles defense, especially with all the problems they're having in their secondary. So I think you're looking at a high 30s, maybe even low 40s pass attempts volume for whoever ends up playing quarterback for the Eagles this weekend. It is a similar injury, the same injury as Romo and Newton, as you mentioned. So totally possible that Carson Wentz plays. I just hope we get clarity, you know, several hours before kickoff. I I don't want this to be a legitimate game time decision on a Sunday night in the semifinals. I think if it comes down to that and you got to make a decision earlier in the day, because let's say you have Wentz, but you don't have Foles. I think in most cases you're going to look at like a a 12 to 16 range quarterback on the rankings and just go ahead and, and plug that player in as opposed to, trying to ride it out with Wentz at what appears to be less than 100%. All right. Um, next, the other big one, Carrion Johnson's out, James Conner. James Conner returned to practice Friday. He was limited. He's technically listed as questionable. Problem here is it's a 4 o'clock game. If you don't hear, if we don't hear any news on Sunday morning, usually it's the, you know, I mean, the first one, is Ian Rappaport, who's tweeting at like 5.30 in the morning with the, hey, here's the six news I know about this guy's going to play and this guy's not. It could be others. So if it's a late game, basically, unfortunately, you, if you don't know by the morning, you're going to need to avoid Connor and Jalen Samuels. Yeah, it's it's a high ankle sprain, though, for Connor. I just I know he was limited in practice on Friday. I'm a little pessimistic, even if he's cleared to play. And we might get lucky. We might get a national writer who has a good scoop. If we get Schefter or if Jay Glazer still reports news, if either of those guys say Connor's going to go, then maybe that gives me a little extra nudge in terms of the confidence. But you have to wonder, would they, if if Connor plays, would they consider taking some of the workload away? Would they use Samuels in some of the passing situations just to ease Connor back into action a bit? On a per-touch basis, will he be as effective as he was before he got hurt? I just have some doubts about Connor if he does go this week because that's a very quick turnaround if that if that injury was, in fact, a high ankle sprain. Uh, absolutely. I agree with you. Um, it was, yeah, I, I want to hear more Sunday morning before I decide what to do with either of these guys. But if the, if the news on Connor is unclear, 
I'm out on Samuels and I'm debating on Connor depending on what else I have. And the problem is the way the schedule's built this week, you have two late afternoon games, the Sunday night and the Monday night games. So your alternatives are more limited than usual just because the way the schedule works out with those late afternoon kickoffs. Yep. Yeah, the, the way the schedule works out, your, your potential pivots, let's look at those right now. Your potential pivots late are uh, probably not Jeff Wilson. Probably, I mean, Rashad Penny would be a bad one. Josh Adams isn't available enough. Gurley, you can't get. Ingram Kamara, you can't get. McCaffrey, you can't get. Yeah, you're in big trouble if you have to pivot late. Yeah, so you, you got to make a really tough call early if we don't get lucky enough to have some clarity earlier in the day. Unless it's like Rex Burkhead or something. That might be one of your only plays. Burkhead or Penny. That just shows you where you are on that. So it should, probably shows you you're going to have to lean towards caution. Um, other guys who are out, let's see, QT from the Texans. Isaiah Crowell's on injured reserve. We're going to talk about his replacement in a minute. Deshaun Jackson out. Uh, Xavier Howard doubtful for the Dolphins, which could be good for either Diggs or Thielen, even though you're starting them anyway. Guys who are up in the air. Uh, LaShawn McCoy has been limited this week. T.Y. Hilton did not practice Friday. Did you, have you seen anything on him? It, DNP Friday is, a, is always a, a big red flag. It is. It's really late in the year. Uh, I think there was a report in the Indianapolis Star. They're going to see how Hilton responds to treatment over the next 24 hours. Could be a pretty clear game time decision. It's part of the early block. My approach with the Colts offense for that game changes completely if Hilton doesn't play. Yep. Like Ebron's still going to get a lot of targets, but I think it just makes the Colts so much easier to defend if you don't have T.Y. Hilton out there able to stretch the field with that big playability. Uh, I think that would really give the Dallas defense a pretty big edge. So I'm concerned because it's a different injury. Last week it was a shoulder that had him banged up. This week it's an ankle. So I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that maybe Hilton still goes despite being out all week. But that is a kind of a, a rare sort of development. All right. And uh, Matt Breed is still a maybe for the Niners. We're going to have to. I'll wait and see on that because right now we're talking a little before 4 o'clock Eastern on Friday. We don't have uh, nine practice reports, at least not, the, not that I've seen. All right, streaming defenses, not a lot here based on the ownership levels, I got to say. It's a little disappointing. I mean, my, my your best option of, of the ones below 40% owned on Yahoo might be the Falcons, which is kind of bad. That's what I want, though. Deion Jones is back. I think he dropped a pick six. The Falcons dropped another interception last week. Against the Packers, they they had a few blitzes that were pretty effective going up against an offensive line that had a few backups going. And that's the case again this week. Arizona's had a banged up offensive line all season. Josh Rosen has thrown more picks than passing touchdowns, and he takes plenty of sacks. So I actually think Atlanta is a good streaming defense this week. I like him in season long, and I do like them in DFS as well. If you can't get the few $100 more that you need to pay up for, you know, maybe the Ravens at home against Tampa Bay the bears uh, going up against the Packers, like even if the Packers score points and, and move the ball, you still expect sacks and maybe a turnover along the way as well. So um, I'm, I'm cool with the Falcons as maybe the best streaming defense that's available in 70, 75% of leagues. Yeah. Any interest at all? Let's say you couldn't get the Falcons. Any interest at all in the lions against Josh Allen or the Bengals home against Derek Carr? Mm, no, I have no. staying away from, from all the cats in Agreed. this case. I'm, I'm with you. Okay. Speaking of some of that, let's go to some of the, uh, if you missed out on your waivers this week, what you might want to look for. Quarterbacks, it's not good. I think Allen's the best. At 22% owned, running Josh Allen might be our best option. Most likely, yeah. Um, 
interesting point that that Mario Puig made on the XM show today. It's like Josh Allen's running and running effectively, but they're not designed run plays. They're send the receivers deep and if nothing's there. He's got space to run. If the Lions are the team that starts to figure that out, are you comfortable with the matchup for Allen you know, being one where he can still have some success through the year. He's gone over 200 yards, I think, in back-to-back games. So aside from running well, he's actually thrown it enough to kind of pad those stats. But can he take advantage of more favorable coverages if the Lions' defense adjusts, you know, throws a spy out there and tries to find some ways to take away those big Allen run plays? I mean, I think that uh, – I get what you're saying. Can you really spy that? Though? Like, you can spy – is it easier to spy the design run or the or the freelance? I, I mean, I, I just think it's one of those things where you, if you're not worried about the Bills receivers beating you or Allen beating you with the Bills receivers, right? You can pay more attention to the possibility of him taking off. Okay. Maybe, maybe you have less safe, less safety help over the top. Make some adjustments that way. Do we think Matt Patricia is smart enough to to make that change? I mean, he's a defensive coach. It's why he got the job in the first place. I'm just kind of spitballing out there as like how 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 stable, even though the totals have been excellent, how stable is the the process by which the Bills get Josh Allen those rushing yards? Like that's that's a fair question to ask at this point. I I, I think I get it, and I think is I'm I'm not sure when I've watched it, and and I said this to you a couple of times, this you and others this week that that I saw this in preseason with him, that it was you know oh there's pressure I'm out of here. And part of me goes, maybe that's a good thing. For his fantasy value short term, maybe that's a good thing. That the guy's just going to run at the first sign of trouble. And maybe you I don't. I don't know. Like I said, that's an interesting thought about as far as, yeah, I'm sure that, I mean, there's ways to defend against that. Especially if you're, if you're on the other side and you're the Lions and you go, there, there's really no other good way that this team can get yards. Especially if McCoy doesn't play. Right? I mean, they're, just, they're terrible. Their offense is terrible. You just sell out to stop the run and say, you know what? Beat us over the top. And Allen's got a big arm. And if you think that Robert Foster can burn the Lions corners or Zay Jones can burn the Lions corners, I mean, then play Allen anyway. He'll, he'll just do it a different way. Like, th- this could be an easy enough matchup where he's fine and he gets up to 22 or 24 fantasy points for the fourth straight week. And, you know, it's a moot point. Uh, but I'm, I'm kind of curious. Like, is, is this the adjustment week? Is it getting New England next week? Like, that's a possibility, too. Allen didn't get to play in the first meeting against the Patriots. But, I mean, that game could mean a lot to New England. So there's, there's a lot at stake here for the teams that uh, have the have the bills in the schedule after this week. The Lions are kind of just dead. But both the Patriots and the Dolphins might have some playoff implications hanging the balance these next two weeks. So I'm really interested to see what kinds of adjustments the defenses start to make to try and eliminate those big run plays that Josh Allen's been just tearing teams up with. So Josh Allen, fifth completion for the, for the doubters from before the draft, 52.4% completion percentage, five touchdowns, nine interceptions has been over 58.8% in one game and has yet to complete 20 passes in a game. Hmm. It's not pretty. Who does that remind, who does that remind me of? Let's see. What, what quarterback from recent years does that remind me of? Seriously, is, is there like? a comp? Is, there, is, is that like when Terrell Pryor was playing quarterback? <laughs> Maybe. It's not like, good. Like, I mean, 
part of this, again, comes down to just how bad those pass catchers are. And getting rid of Kelvin Benjamin, that's a good thing. Playing Robert Foster more, that's a good thing. Even if you like that move, those two moves, you're still not looking at that, that personnel and saying, well, this is a great spot for Josh Allen to become a better passer. Right. He's, he's just not well positioned. Um, let's see. Go back. Let's go. Okay. Go back to 2013 when, when Terrell Pryor was a quarterback. Started nine games that year. They went three and six. He completed 57.4% of his passes. He had seven TD passes, 11 picks, 6.6 yards per attempt. Mm hmm. And was rushing like crazy. Let's see. Rushing Allen 6.3, by the way, everybody. Yeah. Um, so like that, that was happening. And then uh, the rushing totals, let's see, 576 yards on 83 carries, a couple touchdowns, including a 93-yard run. This looks is eerily that, similar. This is a good is, comp. This is a weird comp, right? Like a Terrell Pryor and Josh Allen are kind of in the same place right now. And then like quality of personnel, like the 2013 Raiders. Do you remember what that team looked like around Terrell Pryor? It, it, it was bad if I remember, but I don't remember specifics. You might recall broken Darren McFadden, who averaged <laughs> 3.3 yards per attempt, being the lead back on that team, and Marcel Reese being there. Oh, yeah. Uh, Rod Streeter being the team's leading receiver. Denarius Moore was on that team. Like this, it's, it's the same terrible group of players, just with different names. The names and faces have changed. Yep. It's bad. It's a bad organization still. Um, also, uh, this Bucky Brooks from NFL Network tweeted out the other day, hey, Josh Allen's not completing a lot. He's such a great athlete, though. Has anyone asked him if he should move to tight end? Just wondering. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I, that, that's kind of the funny thing about the prior comp. I, I wasn't, I wasn't I'm trying to be an, a jerk about it, but I'm just right. thinking, like, when's the last time we saw a quarterback run like crazy and and be so like mediocre or bad as a passer, and then what happened to that guy? And it's like, well, Terrell Pryor became a wide receiver, right? Josh Allen has a big arm. Like I, I I'm not doubting that at all. Like I, I mean, it's just like, and he has the wh- he has the Caucasianness, which will prevent him from being moved to another position, right? I and mean, I think Terrell Pryor. I mean, again, did, he didn't have Josh Allen's arm, but he didn't have a bad arm. It was it was accuracy and, and reading defenses and things like that that. That were the reason why teams gave up on him as a quarterback, right? All right, go ahead. Sorry, no, that's all. I mean, it's just it's it's just funny. Like I, it is. Josh Allen will probably get ten years to figure out how to play quarterback. Terrell Pryor got like two. Yep, I agree. All right, um, other ones available: thirty percent ownership or less. Derek Carr at Cincinnati. Case Keenum home for the Browns. Nick Foles at the Rams, Jeff Driscoll home for the Raiders. Anyone? Any? Who, who's who's your break glass in case of emergency out of that group? If we knew Foles was starting, it'd be Foles. Yep. If we don't get that confirmation, I hate to say this, but I think it's Carr. Wow, the Bengals are that bad. They are they're they're awful right now. They are. I really wish Driscoll. Hang on a second. Let me look at his player page, by the way, just to make sure I have everything right. Yeah, I really wish that Driscoll would run. I was kind of getting excited about the prospect of him running, and it's not happening because he's fast. Like he's he's he ran a four five six at the combine. That is really fast. Yeah, I mean, that, he's that, big that's, too. That's like, that, that's like fast for an oversized, not fast for an oversized receiver, but that's like a really big physical receiver might run like that, right? And and like. 
to have that at quarterback, that's pretty nice. Yeah, I was kind of figuring he might do a 40-yard a game running thing and be, you know, Blake Bortles-ish, and it's not working. All right, running backs. All right, so I was talking with you about Ito Smith yesterday because I think, you know, the card, it, it seems like a the, the matchup would argue that Ito might do well, even though I think, as you said yesterday, he's not good. But he missed Friday's practice with a knee injury. Dan Quinn still says he's going to properly play, but you got to be wary of that one. Otherwise, Elijah McGuire is the guy. With Crowell out, even though they're playing the Texans, Elijah McGuire got the volume last week. He's owned in 28% of Yahoo leagues. Among the rest of these guys, which include Frank Gore, Kenneth Dixon, um, Stephen Ridley, maybe Alfred Blue, far and away, Elijah McGuire is the guy to target. Yeah, just because the touch volume is good, the efficiency might be terrible, uh, but he should catch a lot of passes. I would say that uh, Kenneth Dixon would be the the secondary option there. I mean, it, Gus Edwards is going to have some kind of role, whether that's half the carries or a little less. I just wonder if Dixon absorbs passing down work and then works his way into a timeshare. The Edwards snap count dropped off last week with Dixon uh, in his second game back from IR, so... This is an interesting little spot. Tampa Bay's really bad against the run. As long as they, they concentrate touches on two guys instead of spreading them out over all three with Ty Montgomery being the third guy, I think the Baltimore backs can do a lot of damage in that matchup as like touchdown-plus favorites at home against a soft run D. Absolutely. And that's why I'm not, I'm not as scared of Edwards as last week's snap split would, norm, would make you normally think, you know? I think the touchdown likelihood is probably better than normal for him. So, all right. Um, why, by the way, with Crowell on injured reserve, talked about McGuire. McGuire's got a home game against the Packers next week, who middle-of-the-road run defense. Um, I, so if you want McGuire, he's got, he's got more shelf life than just this Sunday. Why receivers? We talked about Kenny Stills yesterday. We, also, we talked about... I think Jake and I might talk about this, about how, no, you and I too, about him being the number one receiver is not a great role against a good corner like Rhodes. So I think we're out. We're, we're kind of out on Kenny Stills. I mean, he's, he's possible, but we're not excited, right? It's okay. Like, I think you could do worse. Um, I, I think of guys that are like only 40% owned on Yahoo, he's probably still going to be the best available uh, of the late week sort of pickups that might be floating around. Nelson Aguilar, another guy that kind of stands out to me based on the makeup of that game. I mean, again, he's kind of the third, actually the fourth option when you factor in Ertz. Fourth option in the passing game, but if you scale up attempts at quarterback, your third and fourth option sometimes can become a lot more viable. So if you believe that the Rams just go completely crazy against Philly's defense, Nelson Aguilar becomes a, a kind of an interesting Hail Mary this week, too. All right. Um on the, the rest of us, other than Aguilar, guys I've got here, Anthony Miller's 30% uh, going against the Packers. Deshaun Hamilton's 20%. He got seven receptions last week going against the Browns, who, all, who don't have Denzel Ward, by the way. Forgot to mention him in the injuries. Zay Jones, you mentioned he's 19%. Yahoo, Tim Patrick on the Broncos, who caught a decent amount of passes last week. He's 3%. For me, I think it's Hamilton, if I had to go from among that group, probably. What about Robert Foster? I yeah. mean, it's a former, like, legit prospect, played at Alabama, uh, had a big game last week. You know, Zay Jones gets a lot of targets too, but it's really just Zay Jones and Foster gobbling up most of the targets right now. Pretty I mean, much. If you try to project it, like you're not really worried about the tight ends doing a whole lot. There's not really a third receiver that you totally dig as like a big part of the game plan. Isaiah McKenzie is probably the next guy. 
even if they don't throw it that much, you, you kind of look at Foster and Jones as both being players that could get eight targets again this week. All right. But the thing is, with it, Josh Allen's probably going to complete 12 passes. Right. Well, if, if Josh Allen is actually Terrell Pryor, then you might only catch two targets out of eight some weeks because the targets are all over the place. Right. All right. Um, let's see. Tight ends. Ian Thomas is up to 40%. We've, we've done our work with Ian Thomas. Um, otherwise, Uzoma's at 33. Chris Herndon. I mentioned Chris Herndon every week. He's at 12, and he's just so blah. Anthony Ferkser on the Titans. So he's had a few good weeks in a row. And Mike Vrabel said, we got to get this guy more involved. The other one I want to mention is Blake Jarwin and the Cowboys still caught seven passes last week. Anybody interested? That Ferkser's the one that intrigues me out of this group. You and Scott Jenstad and Mario Puig, the people I've hosted football shows with in the last 24 hours, have all been on Ferkser, which means I I should just be the typical lemming that I am and, and just go all into. Look, it's again, it's a desperation play at tight end. It's a punt play in DFS. But you do have to like the fact that with Johnny Smith out, without really having a good number two receiver in this offense, at least a consistent one, that the tight end does have a little bit of a floor. Ferkser is 16 for 16 on target chances this year. He's got a 12.6 yards per target average. Again, it's a small sample size, but that's pretty awesome, like for a tight end especially. Uh, I, I think there's something there. I mean, like in a two tight end league, you probably got scooped up already in like a 14 team league, or maybe you've got, uh, some injury trouble. Sure. Maybe you could throw them out there there. But, um, I, I think it's, it's tough. If you said CJ Uzoma versus Anthony Ferkser for this week, I might go to Uzoma because Oakland is just that bad defensively. So I actually have Anthony Ferkser in fishbowl. I got him this week. You're still alive. You're 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 playing for uh for yeah. what are you playing for? Are you playing for a title? I'm playing in the semifinals. Yeah, like um, you're in the the main group. The, I'm in the, the main group. Tier. I'm in the same group as Heaney, actually. Same conference. Oh. So we're oh, in you the guys same are both in there. Nice group of fifteen teams. Thing is, I had Keenan Allen last night. That's a killer. That will probably end your season. Yeah, I, I'm going to need someone else to explode. The thing is, I have Ferkser, but I don't have anywhere to put him. Here's the guys I would have. To, one of the guys I'd have to bench. Pick a guy to bench for Ferkser. Ready? Tight end is Kittle and Ian Thomas. Receiver is Josh Gordon and Juju. Running back is David Johnson, Tariq Cohen, Nick Chubb, and then I have Tom Brady, Matt Ryan. I, I, there's nowhere to put him. Don't so, you have to start like two more guys? Well, the two the two guys were Keenan and Justin Jackson. Oh, they already locked in, right? Yeah. yeah. So. No, there's not really a, a spot for Ferkser. Hey, but the good news is nobody else is going to use him against you. Like if he does score twice and you're right about him, well, I think then I don't hey, know if that's you know, you're true. Not dealing with that. Because we're not in the same division, but we're in the same conference. I don't know. I don't remember how the semifinals work. If we can bid on the same people, I don't know. Because like I, I Tahini and I have some of the same guys. We both have George Kittle. Mm-hmm. Because we're in the same conference, but not the same division. But now we're in the same conference, so we both have. Our kittles will catch each other out. He had Damian Williams last night, by the way. So <laughs> that's strong. that's that's pretty nice. Yeah, I tried to get him earlier this week and I got outbid, which is a bummer. All right, uh, let's go to the DFS value meter. Um, quarterback, Fanduel first because we always do Fanduel first. There's um there's some interesting guys here. The first guy. What do you think of Dak this week? I like him. 
Dak's not bad. He's a tournament play for me. Some are going to say he's cash game viable. The thing I worry about for that matchup is if T.Y. Hilton doesn't play, my interest in that game being a shootout slips quite a bit. I just think the Colts offense loses a lot of its luster if T.Y. Hilton's not on the field. And then Dak kind of just becomes a lower ceiling sort of play. But if this game turns into pinball because the Colts are at home, Hilton's out there, they're moving the ball really well, Dak has to throw more. I like the setup with that offense. I've been talking about Michael Gallup the last few weeks as a guy that has been missed on a few big plays. And I think he's got more air yards than Amari Cooper over the last four games. That was a tweet that I saw that I wish I could could provide proper credit for. But I've seen the two big plays that have boosted that total. And it was Dak overthrowing him. Gallup getting behind a defender, being in a position to make a big play, and just narrowly getting missed. So uh, I, I think the Dallas offense is trending up. But it's weird. T.Y. Hilton has to go for me to be interested in Dak this week in DFS. All right. By the way, on FanDuel, Josh Allen is more expensive than Dak and Jameis Winston. It's worse on DraftKings. And by worse, I just mean it's more extreme. Yep. All right. The other guys also, Keenum, nah. I mean, he just doesn't throw enough. Let's go to running back. All right. We got some value here. Jalen Samuels is obviously dependent on James Conner, but he is uh, 5,500. Why is Dalvin Cook... Dalvin Cook is 6,200 here. He's cheaper than... I mean, Carson and Miller and cheaper than James White, cheaper than Cohen, cheaper than Michelle. Uh, it, it kind of surprised me, especially with... I, I know the prices didn't come out after Mike Zimmer fired his coordinator because he wanted to run more, but you would think Dalvin cook's going to be busy here. I don't know if, if I mean the running the ball more in general, I, I understand why you would do it because Dalvin cook is good, but you also have Thielen and Diggs. Like I, I'm not right. sure their run pass balance is the problem so much as like some of the designs and, and cousins just not having a lot of time to throw has been the problem. Uh, the dolphins have been bad against running backs all season long like that's just one thing that you've seen pretty much week in and week out teams can move the ball on the ground against Miami's defense and cook if you're going to give him 15 carries and let's say five targets so probably three to four catches close to 20 touches he should get close to 100 yards and he should score Mm because Minnesota is among the highest projected total teams on the board this week this is their season this is their chance to salvage their season Coming off a, a, a couple of bad road losses and facing a team that is coming off a huge emotional high with that win uh, against New England last week. The matchup is good. They're at home. They need to get things kind of fixed. And Dalvin Cook has looked very explosive these last few weeks, even when things have looked pretty bad overall for the Minnesota offense. I really like Cook uh, as a tournament play, but I think he's going to be a little bit high owned. I think it's kind of interesting because. Joe Mixon is underpriced on DraftKings. He's not really underpriced on FanDuel. He's 7,800. Mm-hmm. But his matchup's really good, too. I think people are going to go after McCaffrey, Barkley, and Mixon a lot. So Cook and maybe Leonard Fournette are going to be, relatively speaking, under the radar as higher-owned backs, but not extreme chalky backs. Okay. Receivers here. And if you're going to pay for some of those backs, you're going to have to save at receiver. Looking at the cheaper guys, the value meter has some high price guys. Corey Davis down at 5,800. I don't know about that. Robert Foster, 54. You mentioned him. Robbie Anderson at 55. Anun was out. Any interest? 
Um, in tournaments only, yes. I mean, Robbie Anderson just has that big playability. Doesn't take a lot for him to to produce value. So I, I like him in tournaments. Uh, if you're looking for like cheaper cash game plays, it's a little bit tough to find them on FanDuel this week. Jarvis Landry at 6,300 probably scratches the itch. Josh Gordon at 6,800. Is he a cash play for you or tournaments only? He's not a cash play for me. They don't throw him in. There's, there's too many, many mouths to feed there for me to like Josh Gordon in cash. 9, 3, 5, 12, 10 for targets the I last know. five games. The 3, 5 are, are, are what scares you. And if you think this game is going to be one where both teams are kind of scoring a lot, then the attempts stay pretty high. Uh, you're probably right that Gordon shouldn't be using cash, but I, I definitely like him this week. So maybe it's just tournaments for me. But yeah, it's weird at the top. I mean, I think the cash game play is Julian Edelman, seventy two hundred. Like he's kind of a a cash game staple, and never cash Amari Cooper now sixty six hundred. The Dallas version, he's way underpriced on Fanduel, like way underpriced. He's over like he's seventy five hundred on DraftKings this week. His target count ten eight nine five ten eight. Since joining the Cowboys, wow! Yeah, are you comfortable with Cooper in cash at sixty six hundred? Uh, I believe I am at that price. Yes, there you go. So Edelman, Cooper, probably the first two cash options if you're looking to save a little money and you're paying up at running back. So you got to go a little lower at wide receiver. Um, one more on the receivers here. We talked yesterday about this that if uh, if Peterson and Julio, you know, duke it out on one side of the field, Calvin Ridley might have some obscure. So Ridley's 5,700 and let me check Sanu depending on what your flavor is. 5,400. I would prefer Ridley, but both of those guys, there's, there's a path for both. Let's go to DraftKings. Um, all right. So quarterback we've got, okay. So the Josh Allen thing, let me see. Yeah. I didn't see the Josh Allen price. 5,800. That's not, that's okay. That's, that's on the low end. It's more than Aaron Rodgers. It's a hundred dollars less than Tom Brady. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> that, that that put it into, into into terms where you're like, yeah, I think I'm just going to pay the extra hundred for Brady. Yeah. Okay. So let's go here. Fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. Josh Allen is the ninth highest priced quarterback, ahead of Rogers, Jameis, Dak, Carr, and then after that, it doesn't matter. I um. But fair I, enough. I'm, paying a hundred for Brady. Willing, fair enough. I'm willing to put the clown shoes on if I'm wrong, and and Allen torches the lions like i go ahead you want to go beat me in dfs with josh allen this week be my guest pay the 5800 yeah it's steep i i agree with you okay and and lamar jackson who should run plenty is 5900 i mean we know he's gonna run they they make run plays for him teams know they do that and they can't stop it right okay running back so and jalen samuels again we'll see Matt Breida, if Matt Breida is active, 4700 is a pretty nice price. Yeah, I, I think I wrote up Breida and Wilson in my article this week, and it was kind of like, well, just base it on Breida's health. If Breida goes, you play Breida. If Breida's out, you play Wilson. And you're getting good value either way because Seattle's surprisingly soft against the run. Like it's just been one of their weaknesses this season. San Francisco is only like a three or three and a half point home underdog in that game. Yep. And they got I don't get. crushed in Seattle. I mean, it's a closer line than people realize. I think, I think it was Jenstead who was saying San Francisco just plays Seattle really well at home and plays them like crap on the road. That's just, right. just the way that series has been for a while. 
but man, Kenyon Drake's right up there at 4,200 also. If you think Minnesota is going to just score at will and put up 30 plus points, that puts Kenyon Drake on the field a lot as they try to play catch up. Drake, I think, has had 14.9, 12.4, 26.6 DraftKings points the last three games. And I realized the end of the game play last week was kind of a fluke that saved a pretty bad week for him otherwise. But you have to wonder are they going to make getting him the ball a little more of a priority these last couple of games? Okay. Um, you mentioned Joe Mixon, 6,100. Marlon Mack at 4,500. I know the Cowboys are good, but Marvin, Marlon Mack's volume, we talked about him again yesterday, that I, I kind of feel like he's getting a little underappreciated. This would lead me to believe that's true, this price. For a guy who has a decent shot at getting 20 touches, $4,500 is pretty cheap. Yeah, you'd think if, if T.Y. Hilton's hurt, like Dallas can really load the box and make things tough on Mac, but it would also bump up the volume a little bit. Uh, so it really comes down to how much you trust the Colts to find ways to move the ball through the air without Hilton. If you're going to throw Mac out there as a tournament play, I think it works. He's going to be low owned. I uh, prefer it on DraftKings where you get a full point for every catch. They do still have Naheem Hines out there catching some of the passes though too. So that puts a little bit of a cap on Marlon Mack, but he's priced down again. And when he gets priced down, he tends to be a viable tournament play just based on how many points this offense can typically generate. All right. Um, the, the wide receivers, and we already talked about Foster and Ridley on the other side. Foster's 4,300. He actually leads the he, – he's the top name on the value meter. Trent Sherfield, I'm not buying that stuff um, after last week. Anybody else jump out at you here? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. I mean, Dante Pettis – Health permitting, I think, is going to be popular. He's got four touchdowns the last three games. He's got at least six targets in the last four games that he's played. He was limited Thursday, so I think he's going to be good to go. So you're looking for the cheap the cheap receiver that a lot of people are going to be on this week. Pettis is probably that guy, and I understand why. The matchup is okay, not great. It's like Seattle, as I mentioned, they're soft against the run, but they're pretty decent against the pass, especially on the outside, so I'm a little worried about that. The... The value play that I thought was kind of interesting near the top of the list at wide receiver is Mike Evans. He's down at 6,700. Like, do you have some tournament interest in Mike Evans against Baltimore as a guy that's just so big and physical that even good pass defenses can struggle to find ways to contain him? I understand the logic, but I don't like it, if that makes sense. Sure. So would you rather... Would you rather pay for Devontae Adams at 7900 as a contrarian play this week against the Bears or 6700 for Mike Evans on the road against the Ravens? I would rather, depending on everything else, I'd probably rather pay for Devontae. I mean, I, I don't blame you for that because I, I think Adams is my favorite contrarian play of the week, but Evans is the other guy that when his price gets down, I'm always interested. And Devontae Adams has had at least 16 DraftKings points in every single game this season. Right. Every single game. Even the one where Rodgers missed time was playing on one leg in week one against the Bears. He had 19.8. Okay. Scores a lot. Has a massive target share. I mean, there's there's plenty to like with Devontae Adams at a reduced price, especially when you think about the Bears. I mean, as great as that defense is, they still give up points to opposing receivers. It's not like they're right. elite in that regard. Like they, they get a ton of sacks. They force turnovers. But... The other team gets the ball back and has to throw a lot, so there 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 are chances, there are catches, there are, there is yardage. There is there is that's true, and Devontae's always a threat to get you know thirteen fourteen targets. So he's right. just really good too. He's like I, 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 
he's really, really good. good. Which Mike Evans is probably not. He's just he's more big than good. <laughs> I mean, he's not. Terrible. I don't know, man. I I think I think Mike Evans. I think I think Mike Evans with consistent average quarterback play would would do a lot of damage. I think he he makes a lot out of not a whole lot of quarterback talent with uh, Winston okay. and Fitzpatrick in Tampa Bay. That's probably fair. And I, I might be being unfair to Mike Evans. So, all right. I'm going to send you a Mike Evans hype video. Yes. I like hype videos. They're fun. They get you all fired up. But then I, every week I got to buy the guy. It's like my fantasy quick, quick uh, tangent. You know when you can't get certain things out of your head? When you see a guy and you can't get him out of your head? My mm-hmm. guy like that in baseball was Matt Moore. I saw Matt Moore pitch in AAA when he was 21 years old, and he struck out 11 guys in five innings. And it's when he was a top 10 prospect. And it was one of those games where you're watching him. You, you know the games in Little League where you think, oh, that guy must be 15 years old, even though everybody else is 12 and he's shaving and all that stuff, and then they can't touch mm-hmm. him? It was like that. And it probably took me six good years to not let that cloud my judgment in fantasy drafts and auctions with Matt Moore. Well, he was throwing 97 with ease back then. Yes. And even now, I would go, but I remember, and he would be bad. And then I go, oh, but remember when he was the prospect and that night I saw him, oh my God. Because I went specifically to see him. And I couldn't, you know, I, it just took me a while. And that's why I mean, you send me a hype video, I'm like, Evans, I'm going to draft him in five teams next year. So All right. Well, I'm, really glad, I'm glad I have that. Anybody. I'm glad I have that impact on you. Yeah, it's stuff like that. I don't know. I, I'm just afraid of what I'd see. So don't send it. <laughs> All right, I won't. All right. Um, tight end. Evan Ingram, forty-one hundred. That's pretty cheap. And you talked about being intrigued. I'm intrigued too. I wish he got more targets last week, but I'm intrigued. For our man Ferkser is twenty-nine hundred. Ferkser is really cheap on DraftKings. I mean, if you're not paying up for a top tight end and you want to just punt and have a shot at something pretty good i, I get it now like I, i'm i'm there i'm, I'm there on ferkser i wasn't yesterday i wasn't the day before that but it's Corey davis and then what when, right. when Mariota throws it you're right we t- we all talked you into it i love it i've been convinced yeah all right otherwise the only other one that i was looking at here after first so what about last week so ferkser has been solid for about four weeks running right do we know why Blake Jarwin was so busy last week for the Cowboys? Mm, no, I, I don't. I don't have any particular reason. Like, I, I, I really don't. I mean, he had more targets last week than he had in what his last seven games combined. Right, seven targets. It's a lot. And he's playing the bar, and he's not playing the. He's playing the Colts, who are below average against fancy tight ends. Well, let's uh, let's take a look at the team trends page for just just Less. a second here. What what was different about Dallas last week? What changed for them? Blake Jarwin, fifty nine percent of the snaps, so that was an increase just overall snaps played. Dalton Schultz played less. Cole Beasley played the same. Gallup played the same. Hearns is still a cowboy, and Rico Gathers played the same. I I don't know. I I really don't. They just they kind of just flipped him with Dalton Schultz. Yep. Maybe maybe they like Jarwin better as a receiver or something right now. Yeah, I don't know. There's there's some. I, I hadn't seen any news this week. Anything specific on why they were why they threw to him a bunch all of a sudden. 
But and I don't see any notes indicating that Dalton Schultz was hurt last week. Nope. So yeah. All right. Folks, listeners to this podcast, get a free 10-day RotoWire trial. RotoWire.com slash pod. No credit card needed for that. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Take a look. RotoWire.com slash pod. Derek, what you got going on this weekend? Well, there's a, a contest on Yahoo that has guaranteed overlay, like a lot of overlay. It's called the Million Dollar Baller, and it's like 33.3% overlay, even if it fills, and it might be more overlay if it doesn't. 100K to first place. So that's pretty good. Yeah, it's a twenty dollar entry fee, but hundred K to first and tons of overlay. That's that's a tournament worth playing. If you don't normally play Yahoo DFS, they're not paying me to say this. I'm just saying it because it's it's a public service announcement. That's a lot of overlay. Yes. Uh, you know. If you're the kind of person that plays some twenty dollar lineups, go play at least one, if not a few, over there while there's still space available. There's like twenty seven thousand seats still open. Got it. Any beer buying this weekend? Anything like that? Uh, I don't think I have to buy any, but I'm going to drink some. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> that's a small win. Got it. And uh, let's see. I've got um, got a bunch of good stuff. Did you buy anything last time you were at the grocery store? No beer. No. I got a bunch. You don't, I'm not drinking a lot of beer lately. What are you What are you drinking instead? I drink wine more than beer. Oh well, that's fine. I, I mean, there's going to be some day in my life where I no, there won't. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I have no idea what my palate's going to be like in it's five not, or ten years. It's less the palate. I do like wine, but it's less the palate and more, especially with the beers that I like to drink, and me going, oh, my stomach, I'm so full because I'm old, as we've discussed. So it happens. Okay. Well, I think the beer that I'm going to get into is, it's called Vertigogo. It is a, um, it's a milk stout with like espresso and like cinnamon. It's going to be amazing. I've had it before, okay. and uh, it's got all sorts of wonderful flavors. That that's it, it's cold, so I, I'm I'm into I'm into stout season now. I mean, if I've got a few good juicy pale ales around, I'll I'll get those once in a while. But I'm I'm definitely onto stouts right now. Does uh, Does Mrs. DVR like beer? I think she likes it, but she doesn't drink it that much anymore. I I, I don't know if, if like she's got like a mild hop allergy or something. I'm not really sure. So. She kind of just passes on it, and she's she's on Team Riesling. She drinks uh, ah, sweet yeah. wines if she drinks wine. Yep. I actually like Rieslings, too. But, yeah, my wife, like, when she drinks beer, she looks at the beer I drink and hates it and drinks Coors Light. So. What do you usually drink when you drink beer, though? Do you drink hoppy stuff or I like malty IP- stuff or what? I like IPAs. Yeah, so you get very hoppy stuff. Then. Yeah, it's just the last couple of years I've been going, you know, I don't know if I should do that anymore just because it doesn't make me feel great. Because – I have this thing when I drink, whatever I drink, water, beer, whatever, I drink quickly. I almost can't help it. Like before I know it, I go, oh, I just finished that IPA in 12 minutes. Yeah, you got to be you got to be careful with that. Right. You would have you would have been a legend at the University of Wisconsin with that <laughs> uh, with that talent and, and, the, and the metabolism of, of a metabolism of college student. You would have. Um, right. You would have had some high scores here. <laughs> See, you know, I didn't go away to college. It's the biggest mistake I ever made. I can't yeah. Terrible. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, it could be. It could be a mistake. Maybe not, though. Don't do that, kids. Don't do what I did. Go away to college. Right. I tell my kids, I go, what if I want to go to school around here? I go, I sit out. Get out. You can't You know, my, my advice to, to, college, to kids is right now is, like, if you're not sure about college, don't go right away. Right. And if you actually really don't like you know, science or English or certain things, 
think about a trade. I mean, science kind of need to know for a lot of trades, but I, I just I think there's uh, there needs to be a little shift in the in the mindset. Like I I, I, was, I grew up in in the generation like I'm an old millennial, as I've said before, right? I'm mm-hmm. my, almost my mid thirties. Every kid I went to high school with was told to go to college. It doesn't work. Like you need people that do other things, right? You need people that know how to fix plumbing. You need electricians. You you need people that can repair appliances. And people are like, way more helpless at that stuff now. Your people are person is way helpless at that right now. Yes. Like, if 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 they if they said, hey, you can't work at RotoWire anymore, you have to go do something else. You can't work somewhere else and do sports or fantasy or media. I would seriously consider going back and learning a trade because there's demand for it. Yeah, it pays pretty well, and yeah, it's actually like helping the world with basic problems that need to be solved. Right, I, I agree with you on this. So this I don't know our, how we got to this point, but uh, that, that'd be my advice to kids. Like, just because your your teachers and your guidance counselors are are telling you you have to go to college, it, it could be trade school instead. There, yeah, there's there's no wrong answer. If you have an aptitude at that stuff, it's it's not a bad way to go. Yeah, there's people. There's people who are doing, you know, home con- contractors, things like that. They just kill it. Yes, yeah, they they do. Yep. All right, enough of that. I hope you enjoyed that, folks. When we get to uh, fantasy college admissions at some point, Derek and I will host that podcast down the road. So, I mean, that that's probably what I'm, I'm going to end up like teaching high school kids that it's not critically important to go to a four year college. <laughs> there are other ways to go make a living. <laughs> don't don't st- don't stay in school, kids. <laughs> No, go to school for something else. That's no, all I'm I saying. Agree. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's like don't don't rack up fifty thousand dollars worth of debt getting a degree that too many of your peers also have that will put you in a saturated job market where you're going to make a lot less money than you should. And you're going to go into a different line of work anyway. Yeah, I, I, that's all. Just like consider all the options. That's all. My wife. My wife is a successful finance director at a large cable television company. She has a marketing degree. Yeah, right. I mean, not, 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 not the degree you'd expect a person in that position to have. Yep. All right. We're going to wrap it there. Folks, leave us reviews and ratings. So wherever you're listening, we'd appreciate it. Uh, thank you for listening to this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Tim and I will be here on Monday morning to review the weekend and hopefully get you ready for your fantasy football final. So please come on back then. For Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. Good luck in week 15.